0: At loveisrael.org. That's one word loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: There is a problem with a large segment of the Christian community, and that is when they hear the law and the commandments of Moses, they have a negative impression of that, and they want to run to verses. That say we're not under the law and how they interpret it is this the law no longer has relevance for me because I have accepted the grace of God well when a person makes statements such as this it demonstrates an unawareness of the purpose of God's grace God's grace leads us into his will God's grace as we submit to its leadership through the Holy Spirit, leads us, as Paul says in Romans 8, 4, to fulfill the righteousness of the law. Paul understood that there is a connection between the law and righteousness, but we need to be careful. The law is not an instrument of righteousness, meaning we don't do the law and become righteous but the law doesn't find revealed to us what is righteous. The law defines what is right and what is wrong. And therefore, we should not think that the law as believers is no longer of value for us. We need to remember what Paul says when he says, the law is good and holy and righteous. Well, take out your Bible, and look with me, if you would, to the book of Psalms and Psalm 119. The book of Psalms and Psalm 119. Now, before we look at this, there's another statement that Paul makes that I think is of great importance. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where he says, All things are lawful, some Bibles will say permissible for me. Now, what is he speaking about here? He is revealing to us that our salvation as new creations in Messiah by faith, through that gospel message, we have been redeemed. Our redemption is eternal. And therefore, we will not lose that salvation. We have been regenerated. That is born again. And because of our new identity, We will be in the kingdom of God. Therefore, he says, all things are lawful, permissible. But then he says, I'm not going to be ruled over by anything. Not everything is profitable. Not everything is good. So he simply says, as a believer, my salvation is not based upon performance, what I do do or what I don't do. And here's the problem. This is how you can tell a true believer from a false believer. If someone hears that, my salvation is not based upon my works and I cannot lose my salvation, they will say, well, in that case, a person can go out and do just whatever he wants and won't lose his salvation. Here's the problem. A true believer is not going to want to live in sin. Their whole motivation for coming to faith and receiving the gospel is to turn away from sin. Repentance, it begins with acknowledgement of God's standards. And then through faith and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we find ourselves being able to bear fruit worthy of repentance, meaning this, through the Spirit, we are able to turn away from sin. I want to share with you a very important word that word is liberty we could also use the word freedom through the grace of god i have liberty i have been set free set free from what the authority of sin in my life i'm no longer in bondage to sin and therefore i can turn away from sin and embrace the righteousness of god that's what a true believer does so when someone says you cannot lose your salvation, and people say, "Well, in that case, that is going to lead to spiritual corruption." A person, once he knows or she knows he can't lose salvation, then will they'll be motivated to go out and live unrighteously? No, no one who's a true believer wants to choose sin, wants to live unrighteously. No, we understand God's grace it humbles us and God's love and his promise of eternal salvation all of that motivates us in faithfulness to the truth of God well look with me as I said to Psalm 119 and we're going to begin with verse 17 I've shared with you that this Psalm Psalm 119 is broken into 22 parts why 22 a part for each letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And now we're ready for the letter Gimel. And every verse that we're going to deal with today begins with that third letter. So we're in the third section of this book where he says bestow. And this word for bestowing has to do with bestowing kindness or grace. So it's a word that relates to the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the grace of God. And the author here is saying, bestow upon me abundantly grace upon your servant. Why? Well, this activity of God in a person's life produces life. He says bestow graciously upon me your kindness upon your servant and i will live now what does he mean here i will live is he speaking about eternal life i would suggest to you that he is not when he says i will live he's talking about a lifestyle that god's kindness his grace his forgiveness produces in us a desire a specific desire and we see what it is. He says, and I will keep your words. That's what God's grace does. When we experience God's kindness, his love, and his love is a, in a love of abundance. It's bountiful. It is going to produce in us a desire to obey, to keep the word of God. Now, we look on to the next verse, verse 18, where he says, Reveal or open my eyes. Reveal to my eyes or open my eyes, and I will look. Now, this word for looking is a word to gaze upon something with great care, to look on something intently with a purpose. And we see here he says, Open my eyes, and I will look. And what is he going to see? He says, the wonders, the word in Hebrew, niflaot, wonderful things, amazing things, signs. From what? From your Torah. Now, what's the relationship here? Obedience to the word of God brings about God's supernatural activity in our life. And that's why we need to understand, as people who have been saved, that statement, we're no longer under the law. It does not mean that the law has no relevance in our life. That statement, not under the law, means this, we're not going to be punished by the law. So does that lead us to conclude, let's violate the law, let's reject it? Of course not. Because the law teaches us and defines for us what is righteousness and what is unrighteousness. When we do those things that God commands us, we are expressing righteousness. When we do those things that God says don't do, we are expressing unrighteousness. So he says here, I want my eyes to be open, open to look and see the wonders of that come from your law this is what the word of god is revealing and we cannot say oh this is the old testament so it's outdated it's no longer relevant <coughs> for a believer move to verse 19. now this is a great verse because the first word remember all begins with that third letter the Gimo. we saw the first word for verse 17 is the word the bestow kindness or grace then we see the first word in verse 18 is gal which has to do with revealing or opening in this context one's eyes and now in the next verse verse 19 the first word is ger which is a sojourner now normally it is applied to a non-jew so one who dwells in a a committed way and more than likely a permanent or a long-term way way in the land of israel so we could say a sojourner am i in the land so that's who's speaking a non-jew a sojourner am i in the land and what does this sojourner wants Well, he understands that he's in the promised land, in the land that God has sanctified. And he says to God, do not hide from me your commandments. What is this saying? It is a very significant verse. It reveals that the sojourner, the ger, that is, the one who is indeed a non-Jew but lives in the land of Israel, that this one, he wants also god not to hide from him the commandments your commandments the commandments that belong to god so he understands that there a there is a relevance for him very important look on to verse 20. now in verse 20 it begins with another letter that begins or another word that begins with the letter gemo and its word garsa garsa is something if you go to the store today and you buy a garlic and it's a crush or a finely ground up garlic it will use this same word or for anything that is ground in a fine way and he says my soul is crushed is ground up for longing and this word is a unique word for longing or desire he says, my soul is, is crushed up because of this longing for what? Longing for your judgments. Now, this word for judgment is a word that it's also can be translated a verdict. Now, what's a verdict? Well, a judge, for example, is presented with evidence and facts, and then he gives the verdict. He gives the right decision, hopefully. With God, he always gives the right decision. And what this one is saying is this. My soul has been ground up because of this strong, intense longing for your judgments. That I would know what you would have me to do. What decisions that I should make. And notice this commitment. It says at the end, at all time, at every moment. So this one wants to know the instructions of God. He longs to know God's decision in a matter. Why? So that he can respond and implement God's judgments, God's decisions, what God says is right to do. So over and over we see in this Psalm that the author is writing from a perspective that God's will is good and That the people of god even those that are not born naturally into the people of god that they through faith in god are going to want to agree with god and do his commandments look now to verse 21 we have a word for rebuking the word gaarti or in this case gaarta which is you have rebuked you have rebuked Zadim. Now, again, to understand this word, we have to learn a few other Hebrew words. I've shared with you in other studies this word, Bishgaga. Bishgaga has to do with a wrong action, but without intent. Now, we can give a, a simple illustration of this. I'm walking down the street. I'm not paying attention. I bump into someone. Now, what's the right thing to do? apologize. I'm sorry because I bumped into them. I'm guilty. I'm wrong. But bishkagat means there is no uh, unkind, unrighteous, or evil intent. Now, it's not the same thing as an accident. This is something that you have responsibility, but you have not done that with a negative, evil, unkind intent now that's not the word here this is the word zadim zadim there's another word you can have bishgaga by by unintentional or mazid mazid is when i do something wrong and i intended it to be wrong and this is the word that he's using here He uses a a term which refers to individuals who sin willfully, who do things incorrectly with a negative objective, with intent to do what is wrong. And he says, you, speaking to God, you have rebuked these willful sinners. And notice there's another word, the word aruim, which is curse it once so they are intentional sinners which God has rebuked and curse and what have they done well if you look it's the word ha shogim now this is the word shkia is a mistake an air and it has to do with going astray it has to do with a perversion a turn that is not according to the truth It is a violation. And what have they violated? Well, they have violated your commandments. Now, over and over, we're going to see in this Psalm 119, there is a respect, a love, a commitment to the instructions, the judgments, the commandments, the law of God. And we need to realize that that is the right attitude for a believer. Now, are we saved by the law? Of course not. Is one saved by doing the law? No. Can one in the letter of the law complete or do or keep the law today? No, we cannot. But what can we do? And I do not know why this is controversial. I do not know why people struggle with understanding this. We should be led by the Spirit. We should study all of God's instructions, meaning all of His words, all of Scripture, and look at the commandments, all commandments, and see how the Spirit leads us to implement them, not according to the letter of the law, but by the renewal of the Holy Spirit, that newness that the Holy Spirit brings. And that word newness is a kingdom concept so that we fulfill the righteousness of the law in a kingdom expression that's what we're called to do now does that mean that when for example a holiday comes about can we keep the holidays today we cannot if you look for example at numbers 28 and 29 for shabbat and all the festivals including new moon There are offerings which must be offered up by the priests in Jerusalem at the temple. There's no active priesthood today. There's no temple in Jerusalem. Therefore, we can't keep them according to the letter of the law. But these holidays, we can study them. We can learn the truth of them. Be reminded we can acknowledge these days and we can take the truth of these holidays. And apply them to our life being led by the spirit why is that controversial why is that seen in a negative way i don't know but this is what true believers are called to do and we need to realize that there is still counsel godly counsel in all of his word is that a problematic saying all of his word has counsel for the believer i hope not this is what we're learning in this so he says here you have rebuked these willful sinners who are cursed why the ones who have erred from your commandments verse 22 we find that same word which means to to uh uh reveal but in this case it's a word that has to do with removing so revealing can remove something doubt can re- remove uncertainty remove a lack of knowledge so revelation but here it's being used in a different way for for removing so he says here remove from me literally from upon me kherpa va vuz Kherpa is shame and disgrace. These two words, khirpa vazum. Remove from me v- vuz, excuse me. These two words speak about shame, contempt, embarrassment. So he says, remove from me contempt and shame. For your statutes, and this is really the word for testimony. It's from the word for for bearing testimony bearing witness for your testimonies and it's another synonym for commandments your testimonies i have kept now what is the takeaway here what is the message the message is so simple if we do not apply scripture let's be more specific if we do not apply the commandments to our life again under the leadership of the holy spirit what can we expect shame disgrace embarrassment but when we led by the spirit apply in a new way in the kingdom way the instructions of God we're going to have that shame and and embarrassment removed from us verse 23 now here the author is speaking about The fact that there are enemies, enemies in high places that are against them. He says, also, and that word can be even, even, and we have the word Sarim. Sarim is a word that relates to a high government official. Someone, for example, in modern Hebrew, it's related to a cabinet member. So in the high branch of government, he says, Even these high officials, they sit and they speak against me. But he says, your servant, and it's a word for discussing. It can also be talked about as repeating or or meditating upon your statues, meaning your loss. So we see something. Don't allow... The unkind, harsh words, or slanderous words, which may be totally untrue, don't allow them to turn us away from doing what this psalmist says, and that is your servant. That's what we are called to be, servants of God. We discuss, we meditate, and we we learn your judgments. We're not going to allow government leaders to override What the word of god instructs us to do well one last verse and we'll conclude verse 24 he says also your testimonies same word your your witness what you have commanded so it's a word that speaks of what god has testified to his people and he says also your testimonies and here we have are my delight now is god God of truth yes he is so what we see here is that God's instructions what he has testified to his people to do they are vessels of enjoyment of delight of pleasure and that's why it's so important that we take Commandments all Commandments those in the law the first five books those throughout the Old Testament and those in the New Testament And apply them to our life how under the leadership of the holy spirit why to express righteousness why because when we do righteousness it manifests the glory of god people will see our good works and glorify our heavenly father that's what we're called to do so he says here last verse also your testimonies are my delight And these testimonies also are, we could have my counselors. He says, I'm going to use your word, your law, your commandments, your judgments as my counselors. I'm going to hear what they say, your commandments, apply them to my life. And God is going to give us insight through that. Here's the last point, a very important one when in fact i submit to god's instruction isn't that a good thing when we submit to god's instruction we are going to be taught from him obedience to the word of god will bring about god's greater revelation what do i mean greater revelation his personal revelation for your life you're struggling Should I get married? Is this the right person? Is this the right time? Should I take this job or should I not? Should we buy this home? Should we start this business? These are all things that we can't look in the Scripture and see personal instruction. But when we obey God and we apply His Word to our life, that obedience is going to provide for us supernaturally God's counsel god's instructions for us so the law of god is it good let's agree with paul it's good it's holy it's pure it's righteous all these things we need to affirm about god's instructions well let me say one more sentence and that's this it's interesting because in some last days prophecy from the biblical prophets we see something. We see so frequently that the law, the Torah, is called the law of Moses. But in several places in prophecy relating to the last days, there's a change. It's no longer called the law of Moses, but the law of God. And why is that? One of the reasons why people are confused about the millennial kingdom is if their doctrine is this, the law is done away with, no more relevance, it's vanished away, then they can't have the millennial kingdom because in the millennial kingdom, Messiah is going to be ruling according to the law of Moses. And because that is simply not something that they can understand and perceive based upon their incorrect doctrine, what do they do? We'll just get rid of the millennial. We'll just deny it. And they become millennials. So tragic that people, instead of wanting to agree with God's revelation, we reject, ignore, and just do away with because we want to hold on to our false doctrine. Shameful, but very common. I'll close with that until next week. And we move on to the fourth letter, the letter Dalit. Until then, Shalom from Israel